Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Pastor's Perspective. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM and I'll be your host. Thanks for joining us. The church is celebrating the octave of Christmas this week as Advent is finished up and our Savior has been born. I hope everyone had a chance to attend one of the wonderful Masses that we had. This week, the hectic schedule of the priests and uh, of everyone, actually, uh, has once again kept us from getting together to uh, record a new pastor's perspective. So instead of that, I'm going to celebrate the gift of Christ's birth and do an encore presentation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that originally ran on May 22nd. It was actually our 14th show. Um, So I hope you enjoy this presentation and um, we will look forward to the priests getting together and uh, recording a new pastor's perspective uh, after the uh, first of the year. Uh, That's the plan anyway. Uh, Enjoy this encore presentation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, let's let's go ahead and, and move on to talking about the Holy Spirit for a little bit here. Um, the Feast of the Holy Trinity and Corpus Christi flank Pentecost in the church calendar, and then we start a long run of ordinary time. Is there a season of Pentecost, or does Pentecost just close Easter season with a bang? Bang! <laughs> it, ends, it ends Easter season with a bang, yeah. kind of like a fireworks display. Mm-hmm. And that's a change from the past, because when I was a young priest and before that, Pentecost was a season unto itself. And so there were certain certain days, certain Sundays after Pentecost, we talk about ordinary time now, but Pentecost itself was a season. So, But that's been a change since the Vatican Council. So. Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering, if the Holy Trinity and Corpus Christi were kind of part of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually you have to remember too, is that you know, you mentioned two Sundays, um, Holy Trinity and, and Corpus Christi or the body and blood of Jesus. And they are part of ordinary time, but they um, preempt the Sunday of ordinary time because they're theological feast. They're part of our of our faith. So I always kidded um, when Deacon Bob was here that, hey, you just go ahead and preach Trinity. <laughs> um, it didn't always happen, but... Um, because how many homilies have you heard on Trinity Sunday? Well, if the greatest theologians can't um, explain it, why should I even try? And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You got to avoid the heresies, though. Yes, you do. Absolutely. But ordinary time actually starts um, the Monday, or actually with the conclusion of evening prayer, I'm guessing at Pentecost, because it says that's when the Easter season ends. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have those weeks of ordinary time, and this year we start in the 10th week, it's just a way of us counting. And um, we'll miss the 11th and 12th Sunday of Ordinary Time, but we'll pick back up in, in the 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And also, um, like the Trinity comes after Pentecost because already we have the fulfillment of the revelation of God to mankind. We have already a knowledge about the creation. We have already a knowledge of the incarnation. And we have the coming of the Holy Spirit. So all the persons 
of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are already revealed. So that is why we celebrate the Holy Trinity. Oh, okay. And the Trinity is really it's so terribly important. What Father Marty said, you know, the, we as priests kid each other about that because it's, it's the fundamental mystery of our faith as, as Catholic Christians. But uh, it's very difficult to really get into that, you know. And as Father James said, you've got to be so careful <coughs> that you don't, uh, you don't delve into the, into the uh, area of, of heresy. Because in the first couple of centuries of the church's history, there were all kinds of heresies, problems, theologically, uh, that were centered on, the, on an understanding, a proper understanding of the Trinity. You know? Some said that Jesus was God, but not man. Some said that Jesus was man, but not God. Some said that Jesus oh, okay. and God were not equal to each other. Or he was man and then was adopted by was God. Was adopted by God. Even today, we have a problem with our Orthodox brothers and sisters because of this whole business of where the Holy Spirit fits into the into the relationship of the Trinity. And so uh, those are very important. And that's why the church wanted to emphasize the, the true O with a small O, true Orthodox uh, understanding of what, who the Trinity is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's interesting it, when you get into that, it's very easy to drift away from true understanding of the church in those areas. So about every way that the Trinity can be mis misunderstood or misconstrued have been, have been done. <laughs> like one of, one, a good example that hit me square in the eyes when I was studying, and, and it's interesting because I, I, I come back to it all the time, and I'll ask you guys right now, was Jesus a human person? Yes. I would say yes. I would say yes. The human person? Was Jesus a human person? Yes. No. The church teaches that Jesus was a divine person with a human nature. And that was a big problem in the early church. <laughs> he was not a human person. We all had to stay after school. He was a human being. But he was a divine person. If you say he's a human person, then he's got two. Then he's he's uh, it's a schizophrenic situation. You know, part of him is God and part of him is divine. But he was fully a person. But it was a divine person with a human nature. I and remember it, you saying that last week. Oh, yes, it was. Now, now that's how Phillips made sure that none of his kids in his class ever got an A plus in his class. <laughs> <laughs> he always put those little small little trick questions in there to see how well they read. Well, no pluses in religion it for may us. be a trick question, but it, you know we lost half of the church in the early couple of centuries because of that. That's <laughs> <laughs> the challenge of teachers. Okay, so um, hope has been an overarching theme during the Easter season. You know, looking forward, not back. The Holy Spirit always seems to be an integral part of that hope. How can we stay close to the Holy Spirit as school gets out and our busy summer starts? pretty easy. You continue to come to Mass, you continue to be fed through the Word of God, you know. Now that we go into ordinary time, you know, it's not just a, an opportunity for us to kind of sit back and relax, you know. Yeah, we get the color green and some people might look at it and go, it's not very flashy, Father. It's just kind of green, like, eh. But you look out in the yards, anybody that owns a house and owns a yard knows when that grass is green, it's a growing and you're going to be a mowing. 
<laughs> so just like in our faith, like, you know, are we feeding it? Are we watering it? Are we allowing our, our faith to continue to grow? Or are we looking more like, you know, in the fall when the trees start to go bare? You know, what do we want to do once we come into the summertime? Do we take that summer vacation from our faith? Or do we keep plugging away and keep growing just like the grass? One of my favorite stories about that, Father James, is when I was a pastor somewhere else, and I won't say in case this now young man is listening to this, <laughs> but uh, it was interesting because one day I was out, and this is when I was, was um, running almost every day, and I was out for a run, and, and, and he stopped me, and this was at the end of August, early September, and he goes, uh, Father, you ready for church to start up again? And I'm like, I've been going all summer. Where have you been? Um, <laughs> but you know, but you know, what he was saying was, you know, for religious sake. Oh, no. But uh, but you know, but also didn't seem a whole lot during the summer. And, and I think that's key is is that we continue to feed, nourish yeah. the faith. And I think one of the things that that Pentecost teaches us too is that we're given gifts, and we're given the fruits of the Spirit. To help us continue to nourish and and grow our faith. Right. Also, it's like that idea, like you know, Matthew's gospel. You hear hearing John, like where he tells them he sends them out. But guess what? They got to have energy. It's kind of like you know, a car. You can drive a long time, but guess what? That fuel tank, she's going to go down and empty. So, how do we fill our spirit? You know, how do we fill our spiritual lives? It's through the Eucharist. It's through coming Absolutely. to the sacraments. How do we fill our lives, you know, during the summer? It's not one of these things of you're out for the summer, you know, you put your feet up, you sit next to the pool or float down the river. It's an opportunity for us to continue to power forward, continue to be fueled and allow us to go out and to change the world. That's why I was so happy yesterday at the baccalaureate mass when you stressed the importance of going to church on Sunday, even though you're no longer part of the family unit or you're no longer in the school unit or whatever it is that just because school's out and you got a job now and you're you know it's important to keep that connection with the church and with the parish and uh, because you know when prayer when our connection with God starts to waver then other things start to fall apart too and you made a beautiful point to those kids and I appreciate that and also, uh, Jesus said that he will not leave us alone. Right. He will send us an advocate who will stay with us forever, who will reveal more things which even he did not tell his apostles. So, meaning that we are always with the Holy Spirit. What is important to us is to cooperate and invite him and be with him and work with him. As Father James has said, he's always with us at any moment, but it depends, depending on how you receive him and you welcome him for the sacraments and the, through holy life. So it's kind of like we talked about last week where you have to work at staying in a state of grace yeah. and, you, and you have to keep up with it. You can't just let it slide. And kind of with the Holy Spirit, like how willing are we to listen to him? Because, you know, we know that God's not going to speak to us and go through the big thunderstorms or things like this. It's in that whispering. So often we can distract ourselves so easily. All of us have a cell phone. All of us, you know, probably have social media or some sort of apps on our phone that can easily suck our time. You know, do we, do we dedicate? Do we spend that time? Kind of like what Father Marty talked about in an earlier episode with, you know, if I gave you $168, 
and I only ask for one. Yeah. You know, it seems pretty small. Like, can we not give more than just one? You know, encourage, you know, those out there, you know, if you're not, you know, able to have a holy hour, start with a holy 15 minutes. Take 15 minutes out of your day. Do a daily examine. You know, think about those areas that God has blessed your life. You know, about those areas where you're struggling. You need God's grace. Those areas where you fall into sin. So you can kind of begin to kind of see the trend of, all right, when this, you know, when I get put into this situation, this tends to happen. But then to take a little bit of a moment, you know, some time and read the sacred scripture. Allow it to wash over you. We're not asking you to read the whole book. Maybe it's just a small little parable and to sit with it and just allow the Holy Spirit, you know, to, to work with you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one of those apps on your phone, your smartphone needs to be the Bible or maybe the, the rosary or maybe the catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, and that way you can spend a little time on your phone in one of those apps and that can count towards your, your, your 15 minutes. Yeah, there is also another good point here that the Holy Spirit, yes, we need to welcome Him, to involve Him into our daily lives, but also we needed to to evangelize to others to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to receive faith, because we are empowered to do that. By the power of confirmation, we have all the powers of the Holy Spirit to evangelize. So we need to evangelize ourselves, but also to evangelize others. And all of this depends on being open to God, being open to God. That's a very important point, it might seem very simple, but how many times in our prayer life do we just remain open to God? People used to say to me, they'd say, well, you know, you're, you're a priest now 54 years and you know, you've been surrounded by holy things all your life. Did God ever speak to you? And I always have to answer yes or no. Uh, no, in the sense that he hasn't, I haven't had any visions or I haven't had any mystical, uh, deep mystical experiences. And yet at the same time, I have to answer yes too. But whenever God spoke to me, it was because I was open to him. In other words, I, I, I just put aside all the things that were distractions and said, Lord, here I am, please speak to me. And then I was quiet. I listened for his voice. And many, many times he would come. And I'm not alone in that. I mean, anybody that has any kind of awareness of spirituality, God speaks to us in the silence of our hearts. And when that happens, great things usually come about because of that. And in today's world, the quiet can be a scary thing. Okay, so now that we have been uh, blessed with the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, let's talk about what that brings to the table for us. There are 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit and seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between a fruit and a gift? <laughs> well, fruit, typically you eat. Gifts, usually you got to unwrap them. It's like a game, a puzzle. But what if you're given fruit as a gift? That's just a fruit basket. That's, oh, not, okay. that's not a gift. There's a difference there. Strong difference. <laughs> I'm waiting for Father James to bring up vegetables with the fruit. <laughs> so let's look at those fruits and gifts with the time we have left. And we'll go ahead and start off with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just run down those real quick. It's wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. So let's start with wisdom. 
I have none. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're very honest. None of us have really wisdom, you know. All of those things that you just read, beginning with wisdom, all of them are powers. They're abilities that somehow that were given as gifts to do something else with, not just to just to have them. And uh, the first one is wisdom, of course, because that's a recognition of, of the fact that uh, God gives us certain abilities to penetrate other things in our life so that we can put it all together, you know, so. I would almost think like wisdom, like how well do we realize those divine truths that God has given us and how well do we put what we've learned into action in our human life, like in our affairs, or do we, or do we try and separate the two out? Do we say, well, I like to live my life, you know, the way the government is church and state. I come to church on Sunday, I do my things for an hour and I put it on the side. No, no, no. It's that idea that the church should infiltrate, you know, kind of your life and change you into a human being. How do we best live out these divine truths when we walk outside of that church building in our other 167 hours of the week? And I I think wisdom, too, helps us live how God wants us to live. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, the wisdom that it's not what I want, what I choose you know, it's it's what God wants for me, what God is choosing for me. So we, we pray for that wisdom to know, I don't want to say the mind of God, but to know what God's will is for us. And ultimately it's to be with him in heaven, to be, to be a saint, you know, but uh, the big thing there is, is to know what God's will is for us. Yeah. Also, um, for example, in our daily life, Wisdom is always needed. And when we act or decide without being guided by the wisdom of God, sometimes we create a mess. <laughs> really, because you don't get that insight, divine insight, which is required to see what you want to do, like to decide or the truth as the truth, because already you are blinded. So when you have the, 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 the this gift of wisdom, you get another eye of faith to look at reality. And wisdom always goes along. And I'm so happy that Father Marty brought this out immediately. Wisdom always goes along with humility. You know, to, to be a wise person is to recognize who you really are. And uh, so you can always tell a wise person, a wise person always recognizes humility first. And then everything else kind of falls into place. And usually a wise person is the last one in the world to say that they themselves are wise because they honestly don't feel like they're wise, you know, unless they're a wise acre or something like that. So would you say that you're a wise man? I would not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not after that. <laughs> I would say that I'm growing in wisdom. <laughs> well, it seems to me like all of the gifts are something that that we have to work at, just like staying in a state of grace. It's something, the second one is understanding. So let's talk about understanding. And and understanding is something that we'd have to work at quite a bit too. That, that would be part of our education, maybe, or, or education in the faith, understanding the faith. For me, it, it's, it's something that Father Mike referred to. For me, understanding is those um, light bulb moments. 
you know, the aha moments. When we come to know that when we're when we're open to God working, bless you. When we're work, when we're open for God to speak to us, to work in us, and then we have that insight. You know, we understand a little bit more of what God wants us to do. That aha moment. Whoa, you know, am I on the right path? And I think I um, and that was one of the things that impressed me about the first reading yesterday, um, from the Acts of the Apostles when they wrote the letter to the communities, mm-hmm. you know, it was, um, it is our understanding and that of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is, it is even, for example, when we preach the word of God, mm-hmm. some people feel like, mm, why do you preach like that? Because they have another frame or another framing on how they understand what you are preaching from a different world which is not inspired by the gift of understanding. So you can misunderstand something because you don't have this gift to know the message of God at that time. So it is really, really important. Okay. Uh, The third one is counsel. I find this to be the difficult one for me. are they talking about counseling others or are they talking about being counseled by God? I think it's the second one, like being counseled by God and like allowing you to kind of take in his direction, guidance and how willing are we to kind of follow that is kind of my way of kind of feeling Mm -hmm. out counsel. Well, I just did a Google search. Google will never lie to us. Never. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> but uh, it, it's interesting here because it says counsel is the perfection of the cardinal virtue of prudence. Wow. Hmm. While prudence, like all the cardinal virtues, can be practiced by anyone, whether in a state of grace or not, it can take on a supernatural dimension through sanctifying, gra- sanctifying grace. Counsel is the fruit of this of this supernatural prudence. And, th- and I thought this was interesting. Like prudence... Counsel allows us to judge rightly what we should do in a particular circumstance. It builds on both wisdom and understanding. Hmm. Wow. So how would you balance knowledge in there? Because like my thought would be is like knowledge would be is the ability to kind of work with the right and wrong and knowing. Hmm. It sounds like counsel's that. I wonder how they define knowledge. I will look that up here in a little bit. All right. <laughs> but the other thing too is because I think you know we um, you know we've talked about baccalaureate a couple times and our kids and when they're when they're going off to school and that they're going to get hit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and you know and, and as you were talking yesterday, Father James, in your homily, very good by the way. Um, you know, I thought that have we taught them well enough? Can they defend the faith? But not just that. Have we taught them well enough to live a good moral life? We've built that foundation. Yeah. And I like that term because you started with, we've tried to build a foundation. Because you just think of kind of that house, like, is it built Mm -hmm. on stone or is it built on the sand? Because when you get into college, you're going to get hit by so many different storms. Like, you're away from your, you know, kind of your... Your neck of the woods, your safety net, and now it's you in the storm. Like, how well are you going to be able to continue forward? 
Yeah. And it's a, it's a real challenge, too, I think, for young people who are, you know, I don't think they're sheltered so much today as, as we were years ago, but they're still sheltered to a certain extent that when they go out away from the family, away from their church, away from their school, and they go to a larger place, uh, the whole thrusts of culture are going to affect them. And they're going to be challenged as to almost everything that they have been raised on. And uh, sometimes they're not able to deal with that challenge. Mm -hmm. I'm finding this interesting that as each one of these is stacking up on top of each other, because when you start talking about students going off to college, fortitude is the next gift. Mm -hmm. And fortitude then is the ability to... Do good and avoid to, evil. To, to do the right thing when no one's looking. Yeah. yeah. And also about cancer, as Father Madi had said, this aspect of prudence is really, really important because it helps you to make the right judgment. Mm-hmm. When you meet a situation, yeah, cancer helps you really to judge by the influence of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, if you don't do this, you can even misjudge or just take a rough decision, something like that. To be able to use your Christian foundation to make those decisions. Someone once described fortitude as spiritual guts. (laughs) Spiritual guts. In other words, the ability to make the right decision from a moral and spiritual perspective, even in the face of opposition. Spiritual guts. I, I like that. Okay, so let's move on to knowledge. Father Marty, you've got that pulled up already. I do. And, and, and here's what I thought was interesting, because it says knowledge here is not simply knowledge that is acquired by reason or by faith, but then it says to judge rightly concerning the truths of faith in accordance with their proper causes and the principles of revealed truth. And then the Baltimore Catechism defined it as a gift of the Holy Ghost, which enables us to see God reflected in all creatures and to praise him in them. Uh, But yet to see the nothingness of creatures in themselves so that what we will desire, so that we will desire God alone. Um, It perfects the virtue of faith and gives us a knowledge of created things and their relation to God. Um, and I was trying to think of the presentation I gave on the gifts of the Holy Spirit to RCIA a few years ago. And, and the one thing that I gave him on this was a, a leaf in the fall. And, and, and I think this can explain it, but, um, on one of my training runs for the New York City Marathon, it was in middle of October. I know exactly where we were at. We were coming down the hill, running parallel to, to uh, Palmer Hills Golf Course on the bike path, the Duck Creek bike path. And there, and the and the leaves had pretty much fallen off. But as we came down this hill, there's this skinny tree, and it's bright red. And I could do one of three things. I could say, I could ignore it first of all, or I could say, huh, that's nice, beautiful. Or I can do what I did that morning, which was praise God from whom all blessings flow. To which my friend goes, Amen. Praise him, all creatures here below. Amen. <laughs> you but, sang while you're running? Yeah. Wow. I had to do something to keep my mind off of what I was feeling because I still had three and a half miles to go, and mm-hmm. it was not pretty that day. 
I don't know why you ran that far in the first place. Well, well get something for twenty-six. If something's not chasing you, <laughs> it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute on. Ain't that the truth? Why would anybody jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I don't get it. <laughs> I want. I want. I was trying to to meditate upon knowledge. For example, the regular knowledge we get in the classes in. Yeah, in your academic life, for example, if you can have knowledge academically, but if that knowledge is not inspired by the gift of the Holy Spirit, sometimes it doesn't end well. You have just a knowledge of many things, but it doesn't lead you to knowing God. It could lead to you using that knowledge inappropriately. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Or incorrectly. Yeah. Or, or not according yeah. to, again, back to your foundation, your yeah. your foundation of, of your roots. One of the interesting things about the word knowledge, to know, uh, is that it to know something philosophically means to become one with that thing. In other words, if you, you're, you're being taught something, you don't know anything about it, Suddenly, you may have an aha moment like Father Marty talked about, or you may grind through and finally you get, you get it. You know, they used to say that the best way to, to know something is to teach it. And, and because it has to become one with you in order for you to share it with somebody else. And uh, scripture is full of that kind of thing, even though it's based philosophically. So when we have human knowledge, we become one with what we know. When we have divine knowledge, we become one with God to a lesser extent, of course, but we, we become one with God. So yeah. knowledge, when you finally realize that, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, education becomes very, education from the Latin means to lead one out of something, out of ignorance into to knowledge. So. That is why here they say, uh, knowledge is the perfection of faith. Right. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. If it's inspired by the Holy yeah. Spirit. That's right. Okay. And it's interesting, too, when you talk about scientific knowledge versus knowledge coming from faith, there's no contradiction between the two of them. You know, the word science comes from the word shio in Latin, which means to know. And so there's, a, there's no contradiction. There's just different sources from which that knowledge comes. Interesting. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to number six, piety. And, and this probably doesn't have anything to do with, like, apple pie or pumpkin pie, does it? <laughs> if it was pumpkin pie, it would be golden. Uh, <laughs> cherry pie, not so much. He's yeah, salivating but, over here. But you, know, <laughs> but you know what we need lots of with a pumpkin pie? Whipped cream. You betcha. Cool whip. Yeah. Cool whip. Cool whip. Cool whip. Cool whip. Good I, stuff. I only like two kinds of pie. Hot and cold. <laughs> 3.14? Oh. <laughs> okay, back to piety. It's a strange virtue in a sense because we, in, in our Western culture, piety, we kind of look down on it. It's like it's a domain of little old ladies that are caught in some kind of spiritual mystery. But piety was a very manly virtue with the Romans and with the Greeks. Uh, pietas was the Latin for it. And it was, it was intimately connected with patriotism, with citizenship, with nobility. Uh, it, it meant all the opposite of what a lot of people, you call somebody pious today, and that's not a compliment. 
But in the old days, it was a high compliment to be called pious. We even have popes by the name of pious. If you go to Europe today, you'll see young men named pious or pious. And uh, that's not common in America, in the Western culture, but in the in in Europe it is. What was Padre Pio's first name, wasn't it? Padre Pio, right. Yeah. It was Pio's. Piety helps us true worship. Uh-huh. You know, to be able to call God our Father, that we're in right relationship with Him. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Just back to willingness to, to worship God, to love God, to save Him. That is what involves piety because sometimes we want to worship God by only our brain and our minds, mm-hmm. and we don't allow that knowledge to sink into our hearts. So, piety makes that faith which we have to be really part of our life. Hmm. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, last but not least, fear of the Lord. Ah! Oh. <laughs> you don't want to separate yourself away from God. Be a bad day. I say, why should we be afraid of the Lord? I don't get what. Well, it's not really <clears throat> fearing the Lord. It's more the idea of us, you know, fearing the separation of us, you know, falling into those mortal sins, one of those grave sins, where we essentially turn our back on God and say, like, "Hey, peace out. I'm going to do this on my own." Go thumping our face onto the concrete somewhere. Then you know, hopefully waking up and realizing, like, hmm, man, that was a bad idea. Maybe I really need to focus on the fear of God, you know, gift that the Holy Spirit gave me on my confirmation. There are certain words in the English language which really don't convey what they really should. Faith is one. It's a faith, well, I have faith that it's going to rain today. It's a weak word in English, but in its reality, it's a strong word. Fear of the Lord is the same thing. Fear is not... Fear of the Lord is not, oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to get hurt or I'm afraid somebody's going to shoot me or even I'm afraid I'm going to hell. Fear of the Lord has the idea that I have great respect for the object of my fear. In other words, I wouldn't want to do anything that would hurt them because I have great respect for them or I have great love for them. So when you have fear of your parents, we shouldn't immediately think that they're going to beat you to death if you don't do the right thing. You should say, I'm going to do the right thing because I respect my parents. Yeah, I, I also want to add that uh, it is just not fear as a fear. It goes beyond that. It is a reverential fear. Reverential fear. Reverential. Meaning you show reverence to our supreme being, to God. So that reverential fear will help you even when you want, for example, when you commit sin, you feel that Mm-mm, this is not good, let me do confession. Or when you are worshiping, how do you worship God? When you are in the church, how do you take it? That reverential fear will guide you in your life to recognize that I needed to, to behave in a, certain, in a certain manner as a follower of Christ, as someone who has someone who is helping me to, to, to lead my life. Yeah. And so, I know, Tony, that we've got to get to the fruits of the Spirit. Can I do this real quick? Sure, if we're going to make it to the fruits. No, you got time. Go ahead. I can do this in, in the Paul's letter to the Galatians. Are you ready? I'm yes, ready. I say then, live by the Spirit. You will certainly not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the flesh has desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other, so that you may not do what you want. 
But if you are guided by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The works of the flesh are obvious. Immorality, impurity, liciousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, rivalry, jealousy, outburst of fury, acts of selfishness, dissensions, factions, occasions of envy, drinking bouts, orgy, and the like. In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Beautiful, beautiful. I just wanted to make sure, Phillips, that you didn't have any of those parties. No, yeah, I have a drinking bouts. No, my, my drinking you know, bouts. With the flesh. <laughs> drinking bouts. <laughs> I was thinking that, you know, it, it's uh, that list of all that stuff takes away all the playtime from Father James. I mean, for Wow. Father Phillips, I'll give you credit. You went 53 minutes or so into this episode without... Taking a shot across the bow. Really? That's a personal best. That's a personal best right there. I'm growing up. I'm learning. <laughs> You've taught me well. Maybe there's a fear of Father James. I'm a fear of Father James. And that's the other kind of fear. <laughs> oh, All right. Um, Father Mike, you have our closing blessing for this evening? Absolutely. In honor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you've given us a key today in our discussion as to how you want us to live. You've given us the ability to live that way by the fruits and by the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. As we continue this wonderful celebration of Easter, give us the grace, O Lord, to live by your design. We ask all of this through the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother. Amen. 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 The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. I thank the pastoral posse for another spirited debate. See what I did there <laughs> this evening? Another hour well spent for me and our listeners, I would say. KCDM would like to let everyone know that if you haven't had a chance to listen to Pastor's Perspective, the shows are posted on our website, kcdmradio.org, and you can hear Pastor's Perspective anytime you have time to listen to them. Drop into the website and give us a listen. You can hear Pastor's Perspective every evening at 9 o'clock after the Rosary on KCDM. You can also pick up the show at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and 2 p.m. on Sundays. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 